This week on The Guardian Audio Edition. Tracy Thorne, the accidental pop star. Churches step in to fill the gap left by welfare cuts. And in the book review, we consider Frankenstein by Mary Shelley and Wendy Moore's How to Create the Perfect Wife. To subscribe for free to The Guardian Audio Edition, go to audible.co.uk forward slash guardian or find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. The Guardian Audio Edition, a new way to get the whole picture. The Guardian. Hello, I'm Alexis Petridis. This is a Guardian Music Weekly special about the Brits, God help us. I have with me Kieran Yates. Hello. Who was on the red carpet last night at the Brits. Having a really nice evening. So you're not sick of award shows yet? No, you know, sick of award shows, sick of life. (laughs) Amazing eyebrows, by the way. Oh, thank you. Casper Llewellyn-Smith. Hello. Uh, who was uh, uh, hanging around with the great and the good of the British music industry at the Brits last night, weren't you? Correct, yeah. And I'm going to sound positive and enthusiastic for about 30 seconds. There you go. Most, um, <laughs> and awake. So, I mean, generally, what did we make of it? Pretty shit. Very, very poor, I thought. Right. It's why? Boring, isn't it? It's boring to say it, but it was I know. Yeah. yeah, you, you really <laughs> want to... I mean, why? Why was it so I think, boring? I think even just sort of reading initial thoughts on Twitter and this morning I was like god it is boring I think it's just yeah I think it's just the quality of the tracks I mean the fact that when I left all the music that was playing in the lobby and at the after parties was far more exciting than what I'd heard during the ceremony what was playing just rap that is one one point we should perhaps home in on you you, as as regular listeners of the, of the regular listeners of the pod will know Kieran is a great cheerleader for the British urban scene. You bring in a lot of, of, of new music, you know, from, from the sort of area of grime to, to dubstep to, to hip-hop, whatever. Um, none of that. No, not a single British urban artist. Yeah, in fact, the only, I think it's fair to say the only black face up there, uh, the British black face, belonged to Emily Sandy. Yeah. Well, I don't really know what to say. Thank you to everyone who's allowed me to put my music out and to even be considered for this award. The Brits exists to reflect to a greater or lesser degree, what goes on in the charts. Did you think this was a fair reflection? Do you think there should have been more, you know, should they go back to having an urban category? Should they have a dance category? Should they do something to spice up? Even just even just kind of dance music being represented would be good, I think. I think mm. obviously urban as a genre classification is always going to be problematic because of whatever reasons. And they're What all reasons? The... Why is it problematic? Well, I think that it's just such an overarching term and I think that it's the same kind of debate that you get surrounding the mobos about what it is that constitutes, you mm. know, black music or urban music. But it's music not though, is it? Because, because urban music, it, I mean, I think most people have in their, in their heads an idea of what constitutes urban music, where it's a music of black origin. The issue with that, as we say every week, is that all music, all pop music, all rock music is essentially of black origin. Yeah. Um, whereas, if you say... It's not so much Ben Howard. <laughs> well, I'm sure somewhere... Not so much Mumford, I'd deep say. In, well, actually, yeah, that's a good point, isn't it? Mumford, mm-hmm. there isn't really... No. Like a hint of... Even a hint of the blues about Mumford. They give me the blues. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's brilliant banter. Like, see, I, I've actually got the same scriptwriter that James Corden had last night. Uh, I've been enjoying not. reading the, in the tabloid press this morning as uh, someone's written about James Corden's performance but says he still came out with some corkers and then they list his three corkers. What were his corkers? Let me find it. Well, do you, you guys you hate him, generally? No, I don't, I don't hate him. Because I, I think he's actually all right. I quite liked him. I, I feel like 
really alone with this. I thought it was his script that appeared to have been written by oh. the person that wrote Katie Boyle's script for the Eurovision Song Contest in 1973. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Oh, you know, it was a brilliant thing. He goes at one point, oh, if that's plan B, I wouldn't like to know what oh, plan yeah. A was. Really? <laughs> Sorry, but going back to before we started talking Sorry. about James Corden's course. So smooth, he's like human veet. This is one of, uh, it's oh, not yeah, me it's about you. Right. It's, right. One, it's on JT's hotness. And um, hinting at last year's Adele Gate. There was, there's a global superstar who was once interrupted at an award ceremony. Well, let me tell you, that never happens here. Not on my watch anymore. Amazing. <laughs> Is there any more? I mean, I, I, uh, I, I there's quail. There's two of them. I'll spay the third. Yeah, um, yeah in so. case I suffer injuries from laughing too yeah. hard. But yes, no, going back to that original point about urban music not being adequately represented, I think that the moment that... Was it Lana Del Rey that beat Rihanna in sort of mm. international female? I just mm. thought... That's that's not true. People, people. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I mean, there there is this sense that that although all it really does is hold up a mirror to what's in the charts, it does. I mean, that's that's what the Brits is there for. Mm -hmm. There's a sense that somehow they've managed to take what's in the charts, which you know, without being a grumpy old man, this this is perhaps not the charts, you know, greatest era, most exciting and eclectic era of music. And take that, and like a, like a sort of cloth, they managed to wring <laughs> anything that was interesting out of it. Yeah. Um, leaving you with this kind of arse. <laughs> you know, well, there's just, I just feel like there was a real lack of d- dance music full stop, really. Mm. I, just... I think it's two things, isn't it? It's one, you're only as good as the tools you're given with, and I don't think it's been a particularly exciting year for British music. You can look at it glass half full and say, mm. oh, Mumford's in America, and mm. Adele, and all of that, One Direction, global success. But it's... It's just not been a very good year for music, and mm-hmm. you see that reflected in the nominees. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, I, I just thought the show was disappointing as well, and I think there was just a sort of lack of attention to detail in it. I think the people they get in to present the awards isn't imaginative, isn't no. clever. No. You know, I was saying to someone last night, you get in Boris Johnson, I can't stand the bloke, but at least it would have been sort of something British or kind of witty, or just <laughs> put a bit of thought into it, other than some supermodel you've never heard of, or some bloke who wants to play golf or something. Some and the body language of the people, Nick Faldo, I don't know, someone <laughs> probably is probably on it and I thought the body language of even the people on it was poor One Direction came on and I was sitting sitting right down the front could sort of get a sense of them and they just looked kind of bored when they came on it was like here we are another award show it was like they were doing the sort of MTV Poland or something yeah, you know? yeah 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 yeah. well I suppose that's always the problem is that it comes the week after the Grammys and the Grammys you know it's an American thing they do this kind of stuff for it. if you want a big ridiculous glitzy show the Grammys it and then you get the, the Brits Arriving a week later, very much like the poor relation of that. You know, I'm not saying the music's any better at the Grammys, but, you know, there were things in it. The Grammys that addressed, you know, they had like a tribute to to Levon Helm from the band and stuff like that. You know, just suggestive of depth. And there's no sort of, no planning has gone into any special moments. You always used to talk about, you know, and you used to moan about them, but those kind of confected collaborations and it would suddenly take Mumford and Sons and have them playing with tiny temporals. I don't know. There was none of that. You know, there was none of it. Also, it feels like there's a real sense of restraint because as much as you talk about it holding up a mirror to the kind of the music scene or the way, or, or consumers or whatever, I really feel like it holds up a mirror into the machinations of yeah. the music industry. It felt very kind of restrained. It felt very like music for music industry people. It yeah. was very much like these are people that sell. Everyone was terribly well behaved. Uh, and I think that, yeah, like you were saying, Casper, it really reflects that it's not a great time of the year because no one can really afford to be too outspoken or slowed people it's off. It's a real shame, isn't it? I mean, you spectacle. could even if, even if you had Plan B on, just get Plan B on and do ill manners. And, you know, I mean, I know that's not... Yeah, I'm ma- not talking about crying on the VT. Like, everyone, was he crying? Well, no, he was just like, oh, you know, this, bring a tear, this brings a tear to my eye. And like, everyone near me was just like pissing themselves laughing. And I just thought, oh, come on, Plan B. <laughs> I think the thing about it, if you look at the live performances, that was, that was kind of depressing in a way. 
The two most exciting live performances were by Americans. It was Justin Timberlake, mm. Taylor Swift, uh, who I thought was brilliant. Taylor Swift looked slightly unhinged, I thought, which, is, which was the one person. You know, which is sort of what you want from pop. You want pop music. And she looked a bit... The other brilliant thing on the TV coverage, every time Taylor Swift's name was mentioned, uh, they did a cutaway to Harry Styles, you know, <laughs> except when she was doing her song. I suspect because if Harry Styles was sat there watching his recently ex-girlfriend on stage in a wedding gown, also <laughs> shouty and angry, the expression on his face might have been suggestive of a man who'd had a narrow escape. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, um, I, I just sort of thought the Taylor Swift thing, it felt a bit alive, it felt a bit energetic, everything else just appeared to be lying there scratching itself, you know? Does anybody agree? Well, you know, well, Frank, o- give it the Frank Ocean. They gave it. Okay, well, Frank Ocean's quite good. You know, that's good, isn't it? That they gave Frank Ocean an award. Before this, before this year, I didn't get many trophies in my life, and uh, I'm definitely a long way from working fast food in New Orleans. So, thank you guys for this, and um, thanks to Damian Hurst for the polka dots. Yeah, that's good because I like him, and he is better than everybody else in that category. Mm. But I, did you prefer Justin's performance to Taylor's? No, I preferred Taylor Swift because oh, really? she looked a bit. Uh, okay, because I like Justin just because I thought that as a performer, he just had that kind of richness and depth of, mm. you know, I mean, he does the falsetto thing, mm-hmm. but he had like the good choreography and it felt like a spectacle without having to have too much theatre. Yeah. Whereas Taylor, I think that she was good and I think you're right, she did kind of straddle that sort of slightly mental and hinge thing quite well and like, you know, obviously he doesn't love someone ripping off a wedding dress but Mm. she still just feels like very constructed still she hasn't felt so natural and I think like coming alongside Justin he feels really natural I don't know I felt it's interesting what did you think of Robbie versus Justin I thought that you know Robbie is the sort of quintessential English pop star and actually in the room he's the one of the the only one of the Brits who came along you think at least he's got a tiny bit of charisma but he's sort of you know he's been doing it forever and he could sort of do it in his sleep but he has that kind of there's a bit of British cheat to the whole thing, whereas Timberlake is showbiz and it's very American. Mm. And actually sort of neither really convinced me, I think. They uh, kept showing you Simon Cowell uh, on the telly, who I noted uh, chewing, continually chewing. Every time they caught to me, I had chewing gum. In a manner that I thought was recognisable to anyone who's ever been a raver. I saw a lot of people chewing like that when I used to go to a lot of raves and clubs and things like that in the 90s. But what it was, I thought, well, this is it. It's, this is your world. This is the world, you know, as Queen once asked, is this the world we've created? No, it's the world he's created. Mm-hmm. Because the sort of overriding thing about all the British artists was it's not sort of a thing about genre. It's a thing about sincerity. That's what people think they're buying into. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that links Emily Sandy with Mumford and Sons, with Ben Howard, with Ed Sheeran, with all these people, is this notion that it's somehow earnest and honest and all that kind of thing. And that's a reaction to get against the X Factor. That's, that's what people are buying into now as a reaction against having seen pop music manufactured before their very eyes. And indeed, it's indie, as the outgoing chairman of the Brits, David Joseph, was saying in, in an interview with The Guardian a couple of days ago, yes. describing what was going to be on. And, and he said it's going to be indie mm. and you sort of think well what what's was, indie about that? what was indie about it other than mm. a sort of you know pair of quotation marks around the whole thing because it's a meaningless term isn't it i mean it's but a, it but it is that kind of earnestness it's a sort of suggest a suggest a kind of homespun quality homespun yes. let's wear a leather um, apron and parade around hoxton yeah. but yeah. i kind of feel like for a younger audience that's turned on its head because one of the reasons they buy into artists who've been on reality tv is because they feel like they're real they feel like they know them and they're like mm. they're so real i know what they're really like i know what they're like behind the scenes and I think that they buy into that because maybe they think that they do know the artist. You know, yeah. People feel like they know 
Niall and they know Zayn from day one mm. in a way that they haven't previously. Involved. I suppose so, yeah. But then again, also, you know, One Direction is something. One Direction is actually an interesting point because there's something that's been obviously very cynically constructed on television in front of your eyes, yeah, but that has now bought into that kind of earnestness thing by having a hit single written by Ed Sheeran, you know, yeah. which is so. Uh, I know you've never loved. The crinkles by your eyes when you smile You've never loved your stomach or your thighs The dimples in your back at the bottom of your spine But I love them endlessly You know, I, I watched it and I thought, you know, what will it take for teenagers to get pissed off at the state of music and do something kind of exciting? And I appreciate that... that, that Teenagers are probably a lot more tolerant of this kind of thing these days than they were 40 years ago or whatever because, you know, the world, their world isn't focused on music. You know, there's all this other stuff to distract them. Pornography at your fingertips and the internet. I'm sure if there had been pornography at my fingertips and the internet when I was 15, <laughs> I would have achieved nothing apart from some sort of terrible personal injury. But, you know, what, it's, you know, I watch this kind of thing and I get really angry. And I think this is terrible. This is absolute pap. This reminds me of watching the 1976 Top of the Pops. This is just like toothless, tedious, boring well, well, music. All the Brits when you were a kid growing up. I mean, you know, part of me is thinking it's it's the worst ever. You know, it's the nadir of the whole thing. On the other hand, you sort of think, well, hasn't it always been the way with the Brits? Maybe it was a kind of weird glitch. Maybe the whole indie thing was in the 90s when suddenly you mm. have Noel Gallagher, who was who I was there last night and seemed to be making... I don't know if you saw it on the telly, but every time someone was getting a award, he seemed to be up out of his seat wandering around. Really? <laughs> sort of slightly <laughs> desperate to wait to get on camera. I don't know. Has it really changed? And do we, you know, does it does it matter in that respect? Maybe it's maybe it's quite good that the sort of the big mainstream popular thing is so utterly dull that it that it must mean there's something more exciting going on. I don't know. Else. I don't know if you'd have like artists. I don't know, starting fights, uh, you know, on stage or descending from inflatable vaginas and doing all of that stuff, which is like performances we've seen before now. Like, I can't see, like... Who, who descended from an inflatable vagina? Jerry, you know, and she did her performance. I don't think it was an inflatable... I think in fairness to, Sorry, there was to like Miss open, Halliwell, I don't think it was actually it was like an inflatable vagina. It would be amazing. They were like open if, legs you see, that, and then she see, came Automatically, if Mumford and Sons appeared on stage with a huge inflatable vagina, I would, I would, I would <laughs> dig them a lot more. Well, thanks very much indeed. Uh... We weren't really expecting that, but... Um... As opposed to turning up dressed like <laughs> the Hereford Young Farmers Association in 1936, it's, it, you know... Um, I'll, te- <laughs> I'll tell you who did enjoy it, and I'll tell you who was the most rock and roll person I spoke to last night, by far, mm-hmm. pinned my colours to the mask, was, of course, James Blunt. <laughs> the pleasure of a conversation with absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, just say, oh, no, I quite enjoyed it. He's and so you polite. say to James Blunt, uh, you know, what are you up to at the moment? Uh, and he's, he lives in Ibiza. He's there yeah. full time. He'd been persuaded to come by his girlfriend. He thought it was jolly entertaining. But just hilarious, just a hilarious person. Mm. You know, so oh, you live in Ibiza. Do you, this is a bit of a tangent, but, you know, you, what do you do? Do you explore the quiet side of it? You know, off there mm. doing a sort of yoga the whole time. He goes, no, I go clubbing every night. <laughs> and that seems to suggest that at the end of his garden, he has, a, what's he saying? A neon sign which says, you're all beautiful at the end of it. And I just thought, <laughs> Jesus Christ, the point where I'm speaking to James Blunt thinking you're the most entertaining rock and roll person going. My life is brilliant. He sent, a, he sent a brilliant bizarre. tweet the other day. Yes. Somebody sent this tweet went, uh, we should take a moment to remind ourselves of how awful James Blunt is. And he retweeted it and he added to it, no need, I'll be making a new album soon. Which I thought was, fan- <laughs> that was fantastic. But you could you pick know. him up and put him into that show last night and he wouldn't, he wouldn't be any worse than, it, no. than what we saw. It's no. Someone whose sort of name was a, remains a byword for sort of awful, the new boring, etc., etc., harbinger of it. And uh, 
What could have made it better, other than cancellation? <laughs> <laughs> well, what are the five, five things? I was talking to uh, the guy who runs Warners, who takes over the uh, chairmanship of the thing next year. And he was asking me, saying he was asking my opinion of it. And he shared his opinion of it with me as well. And, what, was his and, opinion? Uh, as mentioned, what was his opinion of it? I mean, you know, pull, pull your punches a bit. Could have been better. Could have been better. Okay, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Room for improvement. Um, he was it, asking it me what I thought of it. And mm-hmm. I was telling him what I thought of it. And was, you know, and we had a conversation about how do you improve it? And I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I think some of that is in the detail. I mm-hmm. think it's plan mm-hmm. the thing a bit better. Think of those kind of big performances or novel things you could do on stage. I think it's getting a new presenter in just to change that around. I think it's it's getting better presenters of the awards. I think there's a lot of that, and then you're just finger, you know, crossing your fingers that some decent records come out. Was there anybody not on there that you would have liked to have seen on there, and you think would have been deserving of it? I mean, you can't just say, you know, some grime MC I've never heard of because I was not <laughs> going to put him on. But you know, is there anybody that you think they that genuinely overlooked? You know, that should have been on there. I don't know. I think that like the main problem is that the Brits take themselves too seriously. Yeah. And I think that in my head, because the last award so did was the Mobos, and so I was mm. kind of comparing it while I was there last night, and I was thinking. The Mobos is a lot more fun, and those performances, you know, people like, I mean, they weren't, you know, fantastic, iconic performances. It was like Stushy covering TLC, and, you know, oh. it, was, it was still kind of, you know, JLS and Emily Sande. But the fact that they just didn't take themselves so seriously, and the, and the whole thing just felt a little bit more vibrant yeah. or energetic, I think made it just a more I successful mean, the, awards the, ceremony. The idea with the Brits for the last three years has been to focus on the music and sort of mm. concentrate on that. And I found myself thinking about another. the last awards thing I went to um, was the Mercuries. And I thought the Mercuries was sort of where the Brits should be. And the mm. whole thing has sort of shifted too far one way. The Mercuries should be about Hype Williams or it should mm. be about Cooley G or something. It should be mm. about properly new and exciting yeah. music yeah. you've not heard of. And the Brits should be doing what they do with a kind of that kind of lineup. Where if you're going to say it's about the music, actually make it about the music. Mm. Don't make it about Justin Timberlake's in town and he's got an album to promote. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's know, just, he's not won an award. He's just mm. he's just around and we can get him. You it's know? an amazing thing that David Joseph said in that interview in the Guardian. Which you know, I mean, I'm sure David Joseph is a, is a charming uh, gentleman. You know, he's done very well for himself in the music business. Clearly knows about it. Gave every impression of not having a clue about music at all in that interview. So, well, I think the good thing is that you know, since I've been in charge, of the, the, I've given the Brits a lot of gravitas. Who wants fucking Gravitas? Mm. Whoever bought a record? Oh, I've got to tell you what. It's an amazing new band. They've got a lot of Gravitas. They're very serious. That's that's just totally antithetical to any kind of excitement or interest or anything that's good about me. Gravitas. That was it all over. And that's actually... You want to talk about the new boring. That's the problem. That musical has a lot of Gravitas too. It's all kind of, you know... Uh, 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 uh. So I think if you got rid of the gravitas, it has, it has gravitas, but no depth. I mean, it's yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You know, that's the problem with it. It's it's all surface. It all pretends to be this thing. It all pretends to be very meaningful. You know, it's the it's the sort of world of Chris Martin that we're living in, where it pretends to be this serious mm. and heartfelt emotional thing, and it's just banal. He didn't even turn up. I don't know. It's the Black Keys. <laughs> the Black Keys didn't even do a video. Adele yeah. on video because she's got the Oscars to do at the Ooh. weekend. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for this Brit Award. It means a lot. Thank you very much. Sorry I can't be with you tonight. I'm in LA rehearsing for the Oscars. Um, I won't keep you too long because I don't want to interrupt the best album speech at the end of the night. But I love you all. Thank you so, so much. I can't wait to come home and see you. I'm not living here, by the way, just in case anything. Now I'm coming home, all right? See ya. Two of Coldplay turned up. And, yeah. and, and one of them, I didn't know who he was. I didn't even know he was in Coldplay. <laughs> no. He could have been the fourth member of Kraftwerk, for all I knew. Who were you? There was an interesting thing, people saying that, uh, you know, they didn't do the outstanding contribution thing. Mm. Which, and I know this is sort of a selfish thing, but if you're at the awards, that's quite good because that's the point at which everyone is terribly, terribly drunk and Mm. sort of blur, come on and do a few of the hits. Mm. It's quite enjoyable. Whereas I left as soon as 
Emily Sande started last night because it's just Emily Sande doing her thing. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, I think that was part of the thing of put the attention back on the music and celebrate the album of the year. Where actually, I think what you want at that point is just the biggest name you can possibly get. get doing a medley. Yeah, I think it probably is as well. Um, so that was the Brits. And no oh. Kevin Ayers tribute. Why didn't they parachute that Let in us talk halfway through it? It should have been that point where they, you know, suddenly tear up the script and James Corden comes on and, and uh, Muse do a soft machine tribute. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Muse do Eleanor's Cake with Jater. Um, let's talk a little bit, actually. Finally, point the other news yesterday um, is the great... Kevin Ayres uh, passed away, I think, age 68, uh, his home in the South of France. Genuine pioneer, genuinely remarkable, eccentric, unique singer-songwriter. I cannot recommend his first four albums, at least, highly enough. They're just totally brilliant records. The kind of person that really British music should probably be celebrating. So let's end this clapped-out farrago <laughs> of a podcast with a bit of Kevin Ayres. It's a track from his uh, debut solo album, Joy of a Toy, from 1969. This is the absolutely beautiful song for insane times. See you again. Bye-bye. People say that they want to be free They look at him and they look at me But it's only themselves that are wanting to see And everybody knows about it We talk all night and we're all turned on Everybody heard him singing his song For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.